right, what is going on? Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Jake Bowley. Jake, thank you for being here, dude. Dude, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm so fortunate to be on the podcast with you. It is an honor to have you, dude. So break it down for the, list, for the listeners who might not know. Can you just tell us quickly like, who you are and what you're up to? Yeah, so um, I'm a strength coach. I've been coaching now for almost eight or nine years. God, that sounds way longer than it comes off my head. Um, for four years uh, before the fall of last year, I was an editor at a website called barbin.com. They are a strength sports media outlet. So anything with CrossFit, weightlifting, powerlifting, strongman, we were the site that covered that. I was one of the first employees and we built that site from um, a little traffic to a lot of traffic every month. Recently left out on my own last fall and now I have a couple different projects in the works. I have a training slash educational course business that we have up and live. Um, a lot of what we do is with power building style programs and education. Then on the side of that, I have a training shoe and a men's apparel review site that I'm starting to build. And on the side of that, I do personal training with a few clients remotely right now. And I run an SEO course, which is how you and I interact on a weekly basis for the most part. You have a lot going on, dude. Too much. Like literally I burn out every four or five days. Like last night I was in bed at like seven or 8 PM and I was like, not a happy camper. So, so how old are you, man? I am 28. Just turned in. Well, just, not just turned. Jeez. I turned 28 in July. I'm turning 29 real soon. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Okay. We're the same age. And I've, that's a, I've been trying to get a feeling for that also. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So how I found or how I knew of you, I should say is I, cause like you mentioned, we're like, we're associated via your SEO course and like researching, like what is my title going to be for this blog? Yeah, every every title I searched, it was always Barbin. Like, how are these motherfuckers always <laughs> in the first three? Like, no matter where I'm at. And then I remember you followed me on Instagram. Sometimes like someone follows you, go check out their profile. It's like, oh shit, this is like this is the dude from one of the dudes from Barbin. That's crazy. So kind of kind of cool how that came about. But regardless, what I wanted to have you on the show to talk about today is power building because again i know it's something that you seem like you are very knowledgeable about um i know you mentioned you have a program that's kind of built around that first and foremost can you explain to us what power building is yeah so the way i like to describe it is like it's kind of like a marketing term to be honest like there's really like no set like origin of power building it just i think with the growth of strength sports especially in the last five to ten years a lot of people like training with some powerlifting elements. So like a lot of people love to squat, bench, and deadlift. But a lot of people also love to focus on the aesthetic side of training. So focusing on some of the like, hypertrophy bodybuilding-esque training styles that uh, more like recreational pop tend to go for. So powerbuilding in essence is a programming style that considers both of these elements. So powerlifting style, formatting of programming, and bodybuilding. Now, yes, there's always overlap there, but there are some components that are pretty split when it comes to how you're going to work towards those specific goals. So power building essentially is once again, like the blending of these two. And it's nice because power building in a, in a, like a very real sense is like up for interpretation as a coach. So it's like how you blend these two elements is based off of how you've experienced them, what you see working. So like, for example, like we have training blocks where we have like heavier squats, heavier benches, heavier deads. And then later on in the day, we have like myo rep sets, which is a very bodybuilding focused style of movement or training pattern for different reps and set schemes. So 
it's really cool because um again it's like there's really like no perfect one size fits all way of defining it it's a very markety term like there's nothing special about it the style of power building has been around forever people have always done compound movements followed by accessories but when you state power building like good coaches i think should take some of those like more pure specific elements from each of those demographics or niches for that matter and blend those together in a harmonious way that isn't going to lead you to fatigue because a lot of times we'll see power building programs quote unquote online with it's just like here's a heavy compound and here we're going to drown you with a ton of volume that's your hypertrophy work and it's like are you really actually accounting for like the fatigue accumulation of all that volume on top of the intense compound movements like really so to keep a long answer short, power building is the blending of bodybuilding slash powerlifting elements into one program. And that's a beautiful transition into the next question that I was going to ask you, which was like, kind of what are these key components of actually putting together a solid power building program? Because as you mentioned, and I imagine that one of the first things you would mention would be like fatigue, because I know like so many power building programs that I've seen is like, people are just going to get fucking wrecked by this. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how an actual person could withstand just this many compound movements at this much volume. So like in your, in your eyes, is there a couple key components that we need to have to make sure that we're putting together a power building program that's truly effective? Yeah. So there's a couple different things to think about. Number one is first and foremost, the training age of, you're programming for and that's actually something that is pretty tough to navigate especially with our programming is the vast differences of people who sign up it's not always the easiest to like create a more templated slash uh templated ish program that's going to translate really well for everybody because like for example you and i could probably handle handle a little bit more volume we understand what it's like to maintain higher levels of effort for longer periods but like a beginner they can get smacked in the face by all of this volume especially if they're not used to having a ton of volume when it comes to their compounds and then following it up with hypertrophy movement. So training age is the first thing to consider because that will play into how frequent you're training, how much volume you're giving somebody, how heavy you're loading different movements, how close you're working to failure for some of the exercises, depending on the goals of the client. The second thing to consider is the inverse relationship that we typically see with intensity and volume. So for example, if we're having a block where we're focusing more on compound movements, we need to make sure that volume is in check to a point to where that fatigue accumulation, like you said, isn't gonna just completely flat back a lifter, especially natural lifters who might not have that extra stuff to help get them through. Right. So we need to consider like the inverse relationship that is often seen between intensity and volume. Now there are times to steer into both of those and really make a push, but on a general basis for like the recreational lifter, we need to keep in mind how heavy we're loading and how close we're going to failure and then how much overall volume we are giving somebody. And then the third element, to consider that I like to think about is just the overall frequency of programming. So a lot of lifters, especially in like the recreational world, need so much less than they think they do. And that's something that I'm trying to improve on myself as well is I would rather have you do like four or five really well executed high effort movements versus a compound followed by like eight or nine accessories. Right. So that's actually something we're trying to work on physique lab right now is making a program that has, or at least an option with our power building program that has less um, variability when it comes to like just the overall volume of each day and kind of decreasing the frequency a little bit too, 
to help lifters really understand what it's like to keep their effort high and get really quality work in for the few movements they're doing and not necessarily thinking that more is more because we know that in a lot of cases, more is not more. If you're truly pushing, especially with good effort for three, four, five exercises, a lot of times that's going to be enough in a lot of cases. Now, right. we could add in additional movements like core exercises where we're not going to have so much of a fatigue accumulation. But when we're talking about, like, let's say we do a deadlift and then some form of Romanian deadlift, some form of dumbbell row, if we're pushing effort high in all of those, like, we're going to be getting a crap ton of work for that day. And we don't need to necessarily add like four extra freaking exercises just to add them. Right. So those are three, uh, three tenants that I would say to keep in mind. Now, obviously there's definitely more out there and it's going to be very contextual and individual, but from like a very like macro scale, um, those are the three that I like to keep in mind and like just kind of convey to anybody who asks for like a more topical answer of like, what should we consider when it's like building a program like this? Or, Hey, I want to build my own program. What should I do? Right. Okay. Okay. So as a whole, it sounds like basically figuring out volume and intensity and frequency um, which are kind of like when we're talking typically like in program design, these are the variables yeah. we're manipulating from there then. Okay. How can we make this like fatigue management? How do we ensure that you're not overreaching your ability to actually like recover from all this is basically what you're saying. Exactly. And that's where it's important then to like factor in like someone's goals and also the auto regulatory methods you're using. So how are you actually scaling and tracking your effort over durations of training blocks? For example, like at Physique Lab, we use uh, myo rep sets to dictate overall intensity and we use reps in reserve a lot of the times because we think that that's like one of the easier ways for people to gauge. Like we don't necessarily like using RPE for folks who aren't really that gung-ho into like the powerlifting kind of style of training. Right. Um, I think it'd be tough, especially for a lot of beginners to really wrap their minds around. Reps in reserve are a little bit easier, still a very intense skill that you need to, well not intense, but still a skill that you need to develop. But the auto-regulatory methods to your point are something that also need to be fleshed out on top of the goals that you're creating because that's going to help dictate when you're scaling your frequency, volume, and intensity, how you are creating and driving effort in all of these. And how does that align with your micro, meso, macro goals? Um, it's like a lot of the similar principles that we're going to see with other training programs. It's just more so being a bit more strategic with your exercise selection in a lot of ways. Okay. Okay. So let's dig into this a little bit more volume and intensity. Um, because basically when we have, and it, this is probably going to be very much, and it depends depending on the mesocycle and the individual, but when we have, okay, we have like this main, let's say power lift for the day. And then we have our bodybuilding-esque accessory work. How are you dividing or is it necessarily like, okay, we're going higher intensity with our like powerlifting work for the day, and then we're going to drop the intensity with our bodybuilding work and do more volume or vice versa? Or can you dig into that a little bit more? Does that question make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. So it really depends. On, fuck, I hate that. It, 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 oh, does, okay. it does depend, but I'm going to get a little bit more specific so we can actually like flesh out some real details here. So like, for example, like, if I'm looking at like three training blocks in Physique Lab, what you'll see is consistencies across the board. So it's like when we have a push for like doubles, triples, or even like reps, uh, sets of four for our compound movements, generally we'll keep effort high in our volume too. I mean, in our accessories too, but we'll drop volume a little bit. So we'll keep effort high with maybe higher rep sets for our accessories, but we'll drop volume a little bit. So when we have intensity ramping up for compounds, We'll keep effort high in some respects for our accessories, but 
Valium will usually come down because Valium is usually more indicative of overall fatigue accumulation at a faster rate than intensity at some points. Um, when we're looking at something like where it's like, okay, we're trying to focus on like the bodybuilding or hypertrophy or just getting accruing more time under tension, what we'll do is we'll use like more of like a mid rep range intensity for our compounds. We'll utilize some tempo. So it's like another nice way to auto-regulate how heavy we're loading those. So it keeps a lot of lifters in check because we're not going to be able to squat like a set of six for the same weight if we're doing like an intent focused four second eccentric, one second pause at the bottom and coming up. So it's a nice way to one, accrue more time under tension to uh, practice a bunch of the skill components of the movement for the barbell because again every barbell movement is a skill and then number three it allows us to kind of automatically auto regulate so if we give somebody reps in reserve and tempo it's two different parameters to make sure our intensity is in check so then that way we can really focus on driving our effort high in our accessories so if we're focusing on hypertrophy and accruing more mechanical tension then we can still work on the skill component of our compound but allowed ourselves a bit more energy to focus on our accessories because we are auto-regulating that top lift a bit more. Um, another way to focus and look at it is if we are just making a full-on push for the compounds alone, what we'll end up doing is create a high intensity, slightly higher volume for those compounds. And then for our accessory movements, we'll generally decrease them, turn like down the overall volume, but choose exercises too that feed into those compounds. So it's like if we are focusing on a deadlift, Let's focus on some of the hinge patterning mechanics for that movement and also what the quads are doing to concentrically create power off the ground. So it's like more so about exercise selection in that respect when we have like high intent focus with intensity and volume for our compound and we still want to have like a moderate intensity for accessories. It'll be more so focused on exercise selection versus like just overall volume and intensity to dictate the flow of the accessories for that day. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, I love it. I love when they're not over shit like this. So then my next question for you would be, again, this is going to be, and for the listener to understand, I've probably said this enough times on my podcast by now, but all this is very much context dependent. It depends. And again, these are very much like general questions that I'm asking you to answer in a specific way. So that's always something I like to kind of make clear to the listener as well. But let's say hypothetically, someone that has been training for a couple of years, they have a good foundation of execution, a good foundation of strength and hypertrophy, decides, hey, I want to follow a power building style of training. For their first, <laughs> again, this is probably, it depends, but for their first three mesocycles, let's say of power building, is there like a, hey, it'd probably be smart to start like block one's hypertrophy, block two is more power building specific, or is there a certain way you would go about that or recommend going about that? Yeah, so I always like taking the first block to kind of ease into everything. So keeping like a moderate intensity across the board for compounds and accessories, or even dropping the intensity a little bit in the first compounds if somebody's a bit newer to training. This way you can really focus on the skill side of things before diving into like really accumulating a lot of fatigue because I think a lot of times folks will jump onto these templates that they find online and it's like, there's just so much newness to them. So there's all this like novel stimulus coming at them, but there's also like a high volume demand. So then they end up getting buried after like six to eight weeks. And this is not even considering if somebody's not even eating enough for that training style. Like that's a whole other thing we could dive into. It's like, if we're gonna start a brand new program with a bunch of volume and a bunch of novel stimulus, and we're gonna put ourselves into a recovery hole and we're dieting, for example, like that's, a, that's something that we always have to worry about at Physique Lab too, where it's like, we do have to kind of stress at times like, hey, if you are dieting, like you need to pull back the intensity here. So the, for that first mesocycle, 
I usually make it more skill focused. So adding tempo work, adding on overall quality of reps versus necessarily focusing on like getting so gung ho into one specific adaptation because we're not even gonna be able to scratch the surface with like actual strength or hypertrophy gains if we can't execute movements correctly. And if we can't even focus on driving effort high because we're having discrepancy in our form. So first block is often like moderate intensity volume and more skill based. And then as we get into the second block, oftentimes we will either, depending on which road we want, which road we want to take, make a specific drive towards strength or hypertrophy. Um, and that will shift volume and intensity accordingly for our exercises of choice. And then in the third block, we usually rotate it like every like hypertrophy strength, hypertrophy strength. Once somebody has the skill component mastered, because within those, we can get a bit more granular in nature too. So like we can do a bit more of like a intensity drive for a block where we are pushing heavier doubles, heavier triples, and really dropping down the overall exercise selection and the accessories and keeping the volume intensity a little bit lower depending on what we want to do. But um, to answer your question, it'll be like normally the first mesocycle, a bit more skill focused and starting to accrue some volume. And then depending on just the overall state of the lifter, selecting between strength or hypertrophy, if the lifter is, for example, already feeling a bit worn down from that first block, they may want to dive slightly more into hypertrophy where they're keeping their volume in check um, and their intensity a bit lower and then getting into strength just because you don't want to hit a wall and burn the hell out. But it's right. tough because there's so many variables that have to be considered. Like there's no like perfect one size fits all. But I do think that if we are going to like consider like a grander look at this, I think focusing on just the skill in the first block of the movements you're planning to tackle and the ability to accrue some good volume is probably the best road. And then deciding from there how you want to scale your next two mesocycles. Okay. Okay. And so, go ahead. I was going to say, I was just to cap that off. And then so like when we say like scale those next two mesocycles, assess your goals to do that. So it's like, if I am somebody who's like, a recreational power lifter and I do want to bias and like make more of a strength push, then I would probably dive into a strength block. And then I would have to consider my overall training readiness to scale what I'm physically doing in that. If I'm somebody who likes to train compounds, but I do want to focus on my aesthetics for the summer, then I might make a push for that hypertrophy block a bit earlier on. But that, that's the wrap on that, on that answer. That's super clear. So from there, I was going to ask, do you think you can follow a like power building-esque style training year-round? But it sounds like from your answer, you could very much like, we would want to phase in and out of like more hypertrophy focused and more powerlifting focused, but we always kind of have a blend of the two. Yeah, exactly it, man. And it's like, I think too, it's tough. Like I don't generally like training the same way year-round personally. And a lot of clients I know don't like either. Like that's like, you can only barbell back squat, in my opinion, for so many weeks in a row before you either get burnt the fuck out. You're either like, oh man, like I don't want to do this anymore for a minute. And I think having blocks where you do focus on maybe a more like athletic style of training, maybe you take a full block off the barbell. Like we're in weeks 20 through 24 right now for physique lab. And there's actually like only one barbell lift for the whole power building program. There's still tenants of power building but right. for trap bar deadlift, we're opting for a Bulgarian split squat versus a back squat for the first movement on the leg day. So I do think that you can run that style of training year round, but 
exercise selection, I would think would come into play later on just to avoid the overall burnout from barbell training and to make sure you're make, um, you're not leaving anything unturned. So I think a lot of times we can get so boxed in to this style of training that we can lack some of the other skills that we need when it comes to building well-rounded strength. So it's like if we're just constantly drilling the sagittal movement plane, like we're leaving a lot of extra workout that we could be focusing on when it comes to rotation. And that's all going to be relevant and carry over to our squat in some respects because there's really no true sagittal, frontal, or rotational plane. And if we continue just drilling these movement patterns, then we're lacking some of the tenants to make sure we're building like a well-rounded body, um, well-rounded strength, and well-rounded ability to display strength when called upon. So yes, you can run it, but I would be much more strategic with your exercise selection, especially as you get deeper and deeper on into the program. If you are somebody who's listening, for example, who's been running a powerlifting program and you're like pretty deep into it and you're like feeling burnt out, there's for a re- that's probably for a reason. Like take a mezzocycle where you don't focus on barbell movements, focus on other components that you don't train that often, add more unilateral work. And it's usually a nice balance to what you've been doing and really hammering in. And it's going to keep you fresh then and make you feel fresh. Cause after that block, you're probably going to be craving the barbell. So Yes, you can run it, but I would definitely say be mindful of how much you're hammering some of those bigger movements and be cognizant of like what you might be missing out on. I love the fact too that you guys are doing like, hey, we're going to take a block to focus on a trap bar or a Bulgarian split spot. Because especially for like a relatively big gym pop person, like, hey, I, want, I love feeling strong. <laughs> I love looking good, but I also don't want to jack my body up. I think that's such a smart approach to take as opposed to, as you said, like, I think people, it's so easy to just get so focused on like, I can only barbell deadlift for the rest of my life. Right. Whereas, or like, I can only back squat and I have to do this every single week. But it's like, honestly, we could probably get you where you wanted to be quicker and more pain-free if you were a little bit smarter about the way you're bearing things. I agree, man. And I think that's like something that, I've adapted into my life way more in the last two years. Like I used to be that powerlifting focused athlete who used to just hammer those movements, but you don't realize that you should focus on other shit until shit hits the fan. So like I ruptured my quad fully in 2017 back squatting and like that changed my whole outlook on training. Like it's pretty much like (laughs) to your point, like for the gin pop, like you do not need to even pick up a barbell to get strong. You don't even need to like hammer down the power lifts to create a really well-rounded, strong body. Like, to be honest, like those are not even my first picks when it comes to like, when people ask like, Oh, how can I build bigger quads? How can I build stronger legs? Like I'm not even always going for those options. Right. There's so much of a skill component and a fatigue component that come to them. Like if you can't fucking barbell back squat, I'm not going to have you barbell back squat to build your legs. I'm going to put you on something that's way more conducive to our goals at hand. So yeah, that's, I love that you said that too, man, because I think at times strength coaches can be so short-sighted with biasing their clients training with how they like to train that they don't account for like, you don't need to do any exercise to get strong. Truthfully, it's all contextual and more than likely you can get to your goals in a much more like joint friendly way if you didn't up for the barbell at all times. Right. Now that said, because this is a conversation around power building, you probably will want to do a lot of barbell movements. But again, like that's such a good point. Like 
then brand new trainer that just read starting strength and okay i have to <laughs> give my clients to barbell overhead press barbell bench press barbell back squat and deadlift or they're not getting results and that's just not the case but again i think that's kind of a different conversation so i would ask here um in physique lab do you guys have like a specific everyone's following the same split or are there multiple like training split options so right now everybody's following the same split and it's it's tough and it's not my favorite way to actually go about programming but bandwidth is a real thing <laughs> so we're in the process right now of building like a women's program that is focused a bit more on the goals that women have when they are training so like a lot of women like the power building mindset but a lot of the training that we're doing is like delt focused pec focused and like a lot of women don't want to develop those parts of their bodies to the same extent as men. So we're focusing right now on building a women's program eventually throughout 2021. We're also focusing on a program that is a bit less dense when it comes to overall volume and frequency. So a three day a week program where we're focusing on four or five exercises each day, high effort for all of them, but limiting how much you're physically doing. And then we also have optional days added into the template too. So if you do want to add additional work, usually the optional days will have a bit more of like the athletic components. So like for our optional fifth day, for example, for our traditional program, there is no barbell movement on there. It's stuff like bottoms up kettlebell press, unilateral leg movements, unilateral pressing movements, rotational movements, things that we're not getting throughout the week. So if you do want to add an additional day, we're not gonna just keep hammering you with the same shit over and over again. Um, but to answer your question, it is templated right now. It's obviously not as good as having an individual coach. Like I, I always recommend like, Anybody who signs on, it's like, hey, listen, like you are signing on to a templated program. The price is a little bit lower for this reason. If you want something individual, like it's going to be more expensive, right. but it'll play into the context of your goals. And that's always, I think, the more productive route to go for long-term gains. But at the end of the day too, if you understand like how to make, how to, how to create variability within the program, then it could also be a really good tool because we also have a ton of variations listed out. So it's like, if you want to swap anything, we just say, hey, Swap out whatever you want for the variations over here. Just make sure you run them for full mesocycles. So you're not just like popping in movements here and there. So it's like, right. if you want to swap out a barbell Romanian deadlift for a different Romanian deadlift variation, do it. Cool. But run it for the full mesocycle so you can actually track it and actually see where your growth is coming. I love it. So then it sounds like in general for someone that's trying to put together like a power building training split, you typically would err towards, hey, probably forward to maybe an optional fifth day that is a little bit quote-unquote lighter and again that's a pretty broad generalization yeah so it's tough because like with general power building style programming you're going to focus on bench squat um, deadlift and overhead press so getting those all in on three days is definitely possible but we have to remember like more than likely there's going to be a really tough day where you're doing two barbell focused movements Usually you're not going to like go to bench press and then overhead press because it's just not very conducive to making sure that you're going to be fresh for either of those. So that overhead press would then fall on like a squat or deadlift day. Not impossible. You just have to be a bit more strategic with how you are loading those four movements to condense it into three days. We like four days because we can focus a bit more on each movement individually. We also like kind of adapt like a full body approach because it's a bit more conducive to accumulation of hypertrophy over time. But four days is honestly, I think, a good bet for many, but you can certainly get by with three. Like, again, like it doesn't take much to maintain strength or even gain strength with lower frequency. Um, but yeah, four days is usually like the preferred for folks. And then adding that optional fifth is great for the lifters who like to train more because we know that like 
I know like you have probably your clients who are like, I want to do higher frequency. And it's like, okay, you can do that, but I'm also going to like modify this additional work. So you're not fucking killing yourself. Right. So that's kind of how we see it where it's like, we give folks the option who want it, but also it's like four days is more than enough. Three days is even enough for most recreational lifters. Okay. Okay. I would say for the context of this podcast, most people probably want to train four days per, four to six yeah. per week. So let's roll with four days per week. So it sounds like basically then you would have, we're going to have a squat day, a bench day, a deadlift day, an overhead press day. Mm. Is there, go ahead. No, yeah. Keep going. Is there a specific order that you like to like program those across the week? Uh, not really. Like, Truth be told, like the only time that I'll consider how to scale those is like if I'm working with personal clients and like I have a lot of weekend warriors, so guys that love to go out on the weekends. So what I'll do is I'll put like the heavier, like more taxing stuff earlier on. So I'll put like either squat or deadlift on the first day, some form of pressing movement, and then some form of squat or dead on the third day. And then make sure that fourth day is a bit lighter in overall intensity and volume. So that way if they are training hard all week, and they're right. going out Friday and bang themselves up. I know like you're not going to be so under recovered over the weekend that you're not going to be able to come in a little bit fresher. So that's one way I like to approach it. It's like contextual based off of lifestyle, not necessarily like any rhyme or reason, but this is also important. Like if you work a really busy job, for example, and on Friday, you're always worn out low energy, then understanding what movements are more taxing for you can be really important to put earlier on in the program. So if like anybody's listening, for example, and you're like, fuck, it's always hard to get through my Friday workout. Like, why would that be? Is it because of your lifestyle weighing down on you? Or is it because like maybe the movements you're doing on the day are just too much for the overall recovery and energy you have later in the week? Like I know for a fact, like I will not really go heavy on a lot of my training on Fridays because like I'm just so beat down by the week that that's just not conducive. So that's one way I like to look at it. Um, but overall, man, I don't think there's like a perfect formula here other than trying to make it work around your energy levels and fatigue levels, um, contextually and individually. But usually like you want to break up lower, upper, lower, upper, but everybody tends to do that naturally anyways, just because it makes sense from an overall fatigue and performance aspect. No, absolutely. Cool. Cool. So then would you mind talking us through, again, this is a very, it depends, but like a typical, okay, we're going to program out a deadlift day for example movement by movement like a smart power building deadlift day can you kind of talk us through a general example of what that might look like yeah so like just uh, i'll give you two different examples so like for physique lab where we use like full body days we'll have like somebody do a barbell deadlift then transition to a romanian deadlift because they already have been practicing the hinge for that day in some respects and you probably didn't get that much hinge work in the deadlift because it's not that eccentrically focused so to create harmony there when it comes to your concentric and eccentric loading mechanics from hinge patterning, we will do that. And then we'll transition if we're doing a full body day into some vertical pressing. So generally you're not going to be that taxed from a vertical pressing standpoint. Like you might be overall fatigued, but when it comes to physical muscle recruitment for the vertical pressing muscles, you can usually get by putting like an overhead press or a dumbbell shoulder press after the deadlift or we're trying to do like a full body day. Then from there we'll focus on either, an accessory for the press or an accessory for the pull. Those can rotate. Um, so maybe like something like a dumbbell row, some form of unilateral pulling movement, or even like a chest supported row where we're trying to focus on lat hypertrophy and limit just some of that overall loading on the spine. If we're doing like a pressing accessory, we'll either focus on 
some form of like unilateral dumbbell shoulder press we're seated and we have like a nice level of stable support where it might be limiting the overall intensity of that by modifying and keeping like a soft lockout so we keep more tension on the muscle so we're not like fully jamming into the lockout and focusing fully on how much we're moving because when it comes to what we're doing i think it's important to bucket strength into two different components development and displays of strength and then from there we'll focus on usually some level of either like a lateral delt raise which is something that most natural lifters could use more volume with which is the natural uh, lateral delts or we'll focus on some core component and then if we are focusing on a deadlift day that is just very posterior focused it'll be somewhat the same as what i've just mentioned sounds like the vertical pressing components or sounds like the upper body components it'll be a bit more rotational in nature it'll have a bit more unilateral focus with pulling movements and we might add variations of like, like a single arm cable row chest supported row, anything where we can limit some of that spinal loading, but also accrue some nice volume on the lats and focus on in range strength and fully contracted strength. Um, so that's kind of like how we would take the deadlift day from two different approaches. If we're going more full body or if we're going more like double down full posterior day, let's go. Okay. I like it. And I like what you touched on there as well. And that's is like reducing some load on the spine. And that's one of the biggest things to understand too. Like, so much of this conversation has basically been how do we manage fatigue right and the more movements that we put into a program that do significantly stress the spine or like if we have a lot of axial loading typically the more fatiguing they're going to be so like what i found is a lot of times when I'm trying to program for like power building client which isn't like something that i've worked with near as much as you but a couple clients in that regard it is like like you said like hey can we put in maybe a chest supported row here instead of like you did a deadlift, you did a Romanian deadlift. Now we're going to have you do like a barbell bent row or something of that nature. Yeah. And that's like, it's funny because I honestly think for most lifters doing like more chest supported variations for back growth are probably better than a lot of the rows you're doing when it comes to like barbell rows, when it comes to like a pure, like let's actually focus on the lat here because like so many times when we put like a deadlift, Romanian deadlift, and then a row, like a barbell row back to back to back, there's just so much accumulation over time that we're not probably getting as much work out of that barbell row as we want. So right. it's like learning where to shift and like kind of choose your battles with exercise selection is huge here. So yeah, I love that point. And also like with chest supported variations or with variations that are not as taxing on the spine itself, it's easier to practice the skills of how you're physically creating that in range strength. So when you're managing load in like a fully eccentric position with maybe even some rotation, and how you're creating full contraction strength. And then on top of that, we could even get more granular and look at the angle in which we're pulling, focus on portions of the lower lap, more of the mid back. We could focus on the upper back. So involve more of the rear delts, the upper traps. How are we getting those involved? How are we targeting them? How are we limiting some of our overall fatigue buildup from using like, let's say a barbell row here? You know, like how can we get more isolated, actual intent focused work to develop hypertrophy in a more meaningful way over time? I'm realizing I need to have you on again, man, to just have a conversation as a whole around training, um, because I think we could probably talk about this for like another hour and a half, uh, because I know we're both getting pretty short on time here. Would you mind as well, just to kind of follow up that example you gave us as far as a lower body, like deadlift focus day, and then a posterior as a whole focus day, would you mind talking us through then just a quick like layout of what maybe a bench day would look like or a push day? Yeah, so it's gonna vary again. But let's go ahead and look at like a barbell bench day. So for 
that day. And remember, like when we talked earlier on this podcast about different strength focused mesocycles, like reps, sets, intensity, all that would be factored in here. We're just talking about exercise selection right now. So if we're talking like a press day, some barbell bench variation, depending on the mesocycle we're in, we could add tempos, pauses. If we're trying to focus on the skill of it, we could be focusing on more maximal strength. If we're going for like doubles, triples, keeping intensity high reps and reserve a bit lower. Um, but we'll start with like a bench day, uh, a bench press. And then from there, I usually like to work with some pressing variation, but with an added level of auto-regulation. Because more than likely, we might already have some uh, horizontal pressing fatigue. So doing some like low incline dumbbell bench press is usually one of my favorites, but adding like one and a half reps or adding intent focused um, tempo where we are focusing on maybe like the full in range where we're actually keeping a full contracted position for a second and then focusing on what the pecs are doing when pressing. Um, that's usually one of my go-tos. And then from there, depending on the overall scope of the program, we'll add some level of like some lighter pulling just to give some break to the pressing muscles because I don't think it's always the most productive to just hammer the fucking pressing muscles for six exercises in a row because by the third or fourth thing, it's like, cool, I'm so fatigued, I'm not even able to actually produce adequate strength for this movement. Like, yes, mechanical tension may be high, but it's like if we're having to be so fatigued to where we're like struggling with um, a weight that we know we can easily hit, then I don't think it's always the most productive. So we'll add in some level of lighter pull, usually one of the chest supported variations, maybe like a cable variation. And then we'll focus on, depending on what the overall scope of the program looks like, another pressing variation. But um, when I say pressing, it could be like something like a fly where we're focusing on the muscles that are going to be assisting in the press. So focusing on the more like sternal uh, pec fibers, or we could be focusing on more of like our vertical pushing muscles. So focusing on what the delts are doing, because they are going to be relevant to some degree in bench pressing. Then from there, focusing on triceps, maybe adding in some bicep work if somebody wants to build up both sides, but usually we'll opt for triceps. That could be like an incline skull crusher. It could be um, any form of tricep push down with um, like a full like pull down at the bottom to focus on the long head. And then from there, generally some core work depending on how much volume they already had. That's not always in there, but um, most lifters, enjoy having some level of core work each day it makes them feel productive and it helps them like kind of accrue some good meaningful direct core training volume so if that is something that they're interested in then we might add that last but usually they'll go push push some level of more hypertrophy focus or skill pull and then more of like our skill or like vertical press um, when it comes to our next pushing movement and then tricep work and potentially core at the end I love it, man. So, it's hard to off the top of my head with these, man. I'm not going to lie. It's crazy. like, very tough. <laughs> you are, I feel like that's so crazy helpful for all the listeners. I, I know I just learned so much about putting together a power building program myself. So let's talk shoes quick, dude. You have your side project, um, one of many <laughs> side projects, or I think they're all kind of your main project. Uh, that fit, friend. Yes. Talk us through then, like, one, where did this come from? What made yeah. you start this? Yeah, so um, sharp transition from power building to shoes. Um, so, yeah, the other project that I do besides Physique Lab is that FitFriend. Basically, it's a site where I review and talk about different training shoes, weightlifting shoes, and then I also do men's apparel. 
where it started from was like when I was at Barbend, I built up the whole vertical of reviewing training shoes. And I, I loved it, man. Like when I was growing up, it's funny, like this is a whole, whole other story we could totally unpack and dive into. But like I wanted to like get into some level of like designing products, like when it comes to apparel, shoes when I was younger. But long story short, I had one of my uncles say something dickish to me when I was really young. And it kind of like deterred me from that like forever subconsciously. So now that I'm finally on my own, I'm like, holy shit, like I really enjoy this stuff. Right. And it's a vertical that I spent four years helping to develop. And like, since I looked like they kind of stopped. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this on my own. And I have been, and it's been really great because a lot of the people who know me for those things have been like, they found me again organically. And they're like, holy shit. Like, we're so happy we found you again, because when we get more intense and more intent focused with our training, footwear will come into play more and more. Now I am not the person who's like, you need the latest and greatest to perform well because at the end of the day, like shoes are not a make or break for performance. However, if you are somebody, for example, who is learning how to back squat or learning how to deadlift, like doing that in something like a running shoe or maybe like a bigger midsole shoe that you're used to wearing is not always conducive. Like, especially when it comes to learning how to create stability at the ankle joint through the movement and creating more stability up the kinetic chain. So um, it's a vertical that I've been really enjoying building out. And there are so many like subtle construction details between training shoes and different weightlifting shoes and so forth that I honestly really enjoy like educating people on some of the intricacies there. Plus training shoes are getting expensive as fuck. Like 130, 150 for a training shoe. Like that's ridiculous. Right. Like we're, we're wearing them to beat the shit out of them. Like why are you charging this much? So if I can help people save money when it comes to buying like their buying efforts, because I'm super frugal, it's like a win-win in my eyes. So yeah, when it comes to training shoes, um, some things to be cognizant of is the overall stability and versatility that you want out of the training shoe. So looking at your training as a whole and considering, Hey, like if I'm training heavier, and I am more focused on the actual display of strength in my training, then I should probably look for some form of training shoe that will increase the overall stability that I am able to create at my ankle joint, because that is going to help me be a bit more conducive towards my goals. Now, let's say I am somebody who is just a rec pop lifter. They train kind of heavy, but they also like doing hit. They also like going for shorter runs, especially after their workout or they warm up with shorter runs. Then looking for a shoe that kind of walks that line between stability and versatility. So looking for midsoles and outsoles that promote full ground contact, but also have a little bit of responsiveness, whether it be in the insole or midsole itself is something else to consider. So all these little details are important, especially when it comes to this, like our overall effectiveness with the gear we're wearing towards our training and with training shoes being a bit more pricey, if I can help people make more educated choices when buying and not wasting money, then that's a win-win in my eyes. Okay. So like for that strength athlete, man, what I, I was going to ask like, what's your favorite shoe? But I think again, that would probably be an, it depends. If you have a favorite shoe, please throw it out there. Then like more specifically, like, is it like, Hey, with, I'm guessing then they would probably be looking for Olympic lifters, correct? Yeah. So it really depends, man, when it comes to the goals of the lifter, right? So it's like, if you are a lifter who doesn't have necessarily like hyper-focused goal with like barbell back squats, clean snatches, anything where a lifting shoe may be conducive to your overall goals, then just finding a really good cross trainer that promotes stability. So looking for cross trainers that have like zero to four millimeter heel to toe drops are usually a really good bet. Looking for cross trainers that are designed to promote like full on stability with the outsole on the ground is usually a really good bet. And then also 
obviously considering price there. Now, if you are a lifter who let's say wants to build the skill of a squat, or let's say you just need help hitting depth in the squat, then lifting shoes can be a really useful tool because when we elevate the heel, we're gonna be able to assist in dorsiflexion a little bit more. People think that when we elevate the heel with a weightlifting shoe, we're increasing dorsiflexion. Like that's actually not true. We're simply just elevating the heel and feeding into that movement pattern a little bit more. What happens then is what, in, what generally happens when you put on a weightlifting shoe is you'll usually lose a little bit of ankle range of motion when it comes to your squat patterning. You'll have more forward knee translation, so you'll have a bit more of a higher knee moment, so a bit more twerk on the knee, so you'll get a bit more quad involved, and you'll be able to actually sit back into the heel a little bit more and maintain a more upright torso. So we know when we're squatting, we want to avoid as much discrepancy as we can with the torso. Now, obviously, we're not talking low bar in this context. We're talking about, like, let's talk about our traditional, like, front squat or high bar squat. We don't want to have a torso that looks like a good morning. So right. the ability to hit depth and maintain the mechanics that is conducive towards the goal at hand, weightlifting shoe can be an awesome tool for doing that. Um, a lot of people see weightlifting shoes and they're like, oh, they're only for like serious lifters. But in reality, it's, it's goals focused. And, re and truthfully, like a pair of weightlifting shoes, especially older models are like 60, 50 bucks on Amazon. It's like just invest in a pair and then you can wear them like for like years and they're not gonna necessarily break down. They're not like training shoes where they're gonna break down quicker. Right. So I always recommend like if you are a lifter who wants to get into cleaning, snatching, back squatting a bit more with a bit more intent on how you're maintaining position, especially in full end range motion, weightlifting shoes can be an awesome tool for feeding into that. Plus a lot of people have been cued and told to like sit back with the hips when they squat, watch that forward knee translation. And it's just like, what ends up happening in a lot of people is they end up building compensatory movement patterns and they're not even really engaging the quads in some right. respects. Like how many squats do we see where it looks like somebody's sitting the fuck back, like no shade to starting strength, but like that whole <laughs> thing, it's very contextual based off of the style of squat that they like to pr promote. That's right. not necessarily the best way to attack squats because if we're limiting how much the quads are able to engage due to lacking forward knee translation, then we're not even going to get a lot of the knee extensor muscles involved, which are going to be prime movers in the squat, especially when coming out of the hole, creating that concentric movement pattern. Right. Um, but yeah, that we can unpack this forever. <laughs> like, don't uh, even get me I feel like it's turning into a, a conversation around hypertrophy. But again, I agree so much, man. Like, I think that just it has been overcued to death. Like, sit back in your squat, sit back in your squat. You don't want to use to travel forward. And yeah. then, I there's a time and place for that. Like, I know when I first started yeah. training, it was like hey, like this client is coming to you, their knees are absolutely jacked. And like, if I tell them to drop into a squat, it's basically they like fall forward over their knees. Okay, we probably need to yeah. work on this. But again, it's, and it is, I know at least, I don't know your experience, but I know for me, a lot of like clients seem to have like a bad image in their head around like elevating your heels when squatting or like using a lifting shoe when it's like, oh, no, this actually is going to help your squats. In most cases, again, it's kind of spinning those all your squats so much. So I do actually want to get your favorites. So money aside, current favorite lifting shoe, current favorite cross trainer. Man, um, cross trainer, my all-time favorite, Nike Metcon 4. But like, if you're listening and you wear cross training shoes, like I love when my shoes feel very athletic, very narrow, and almost like a track shoe or like a sock. And that's kind of how the Metcon 4 fit. My latest favorite is probably the Nike React Metcon Turbo. It feels similar to the 4 but it has like a heel and forefoot that disassociates. So the midfoot is like a different texture. So it's like crazy maneuverable. 
Like it's one of my favorite shoes for any form of plyo. And if I'm just trying to rock like a pair of shoes that's like more for like day-to-day wear or casual workout, I'll go for the Reebok Nano X Unknown. It's a high top. I am a sucker for high top shoes. And then when it comes to weightlifting shoes, to be quite frank, like all pairs, like I'm pretty cool with, unless like there's a very big discrepancy with how they fit. Um, my favorite probably to date, and this is like such an unpopular opinion, is the Nike ROM 3. Like a lot of people hated that one because the twos are so good, but I really love how they fit more narrow. They're very lightweight and they kind of feed into like that cross trainer vibe. So that's why I like them. Like it's not because like they're superior by any means or like they're better than any other uh, lifting shoe on the market. I just really enjoy how they fit. They fit my foot really well. So I have a bias towards the shoe that everybody tends to hate. (laughs) What is that the most recent variation or is there a four? No, there's a four out. And I believe there's a four XD out too, which is like the beefed up, like more durable model. We're going to charge you more for this. So come pay us more. Okay. I think I I have the fours. I think it's, dude, the fours are good. The fours have like elements of the twos and like a lot of people like the fours. I'm really curious to see what they do with the fives when those drop. Cool. Cool. All right, dude. This has been super insightful. We covered so many topics. Um, before I let you go, again, thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate you on here again. Um, we let everyone know where they can find you and anything at all you'd like to plug. Yeah, so if you want to reach out to me on Instagram, it's Jake underscore Bully, B-O-L-Y. If you ever have any questions on power building or training shoes specifically, or even just like apparel for dudes, I don't know anything about women's apparel, but for dudes, I got you. So hit me up there. Um, always pretty responsive on that front. I have a YouTube channel that I'm building and growing. That is Jake Bully Training. That's all condensed. If you just type in my name on YouTube, you should be able to find it, which is Jake Bully once again. And then if you are interested in cross-training shoe reviews, lifting shoe reviews, or if you're on the market and you want to make more like more strategic investments, let's call it, um, that fit friend is my site that I'm building. It's a baby site. It's been up for about two to three weeks now, but Plan on scaling that out. Plan on doing a lot more reviews for guys, men's, like men's focused workout apparel. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm other places too, but those are like the big three that I want to focus on. Dope. I will link all that up in the show notes. And again, thank you for being here, man. Dude, appreciate you having me, man. It's been a blast. I am extremely grateful to have ran it, uh, to actually have that, like that Instagram connection. Every once in a while you find some like needles in the haystack where it's like, fuck yeah, this person I align with, like, let's go. I love it, dude. I am the man. Thank you for being here. No worries, man. See ya.